0: i Every
1: time I try to make it on my own Every time I try to stay on a start to fall And all those lonely roads that I've traveled on there was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground with the friends I had were nowhere to be found.
0: But I, I couldn't, couldn't see, see it then, but I can, can see
1: it now. now. There was Jesus. In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing. Yeah. Mountain in the valley,
2: there was Jesus
1: in the shadow of the alleys.
3: thankful that he was there for you. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Father, we worship you. Father, we thank you that you were there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many people are thankful for God's mercy? How many people are thankful for God's grace? How many people will say that God has been better to you than you deserve? Amen. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and tell them Jesus loves you as you're seated and welcome them to Gateway Church this morning. We want to welcome you to uh, Gateway Church. Thank you for being here this morning. If you are a guest, we are so honored and privileged uh, that you have joined us today. And uh, we pray that if, uh, if you're a guest, we would love to take the opportunity to meet you downstairs uh, right, outside, right off of the cafe. And uh, we would love just a chance to, to chat with you. And uh, we're so glad that you're here. How many people are ready for Christmas? How many people have finished all your shopping? How many people still have shopping to do? All right. Those are my people right there. We are so thankful that you're here and we're looking forward to what God is going to do today and what He's going to do for the rest of 2020 and for what He's going to do in 2021. Uh, We are thankful that you're here. Uh, We started our Christmas series a couple of weeks ago and uh, we began to, to look at what it would be like if we just looked at one verse, uh, I mean a lot of times we look at the Christmas story and we, be, we begin to, to read uh, the, the common things that are found in Luke and, and the gospels of Jesus' birth, but as we begin to, to look at the Christmas series this week, we said, what would it be like if we would just take John 3, 16 and break it down and talk about a little portion of it every week? Because we believe that the entire Christmas story is summed up in just that verse. John chapter 3, verse 16. So in the the first week, we started with looking at, for God so loved the world. Now when we look at that, we understand and we realize uh, that the world means you. The world means me. The world means everyone that was ever born or ever will be. You see, God doesn't discriminate. God loves us all. And the second week we looked at, he loved us so much that he gave. You see, it was God's love that motivated him to give. And last week we looked at and we talked about what he gave and how that he gave. And the key theme to last week was, was just this simple phrase. It says, You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And because of God's love for us, He gave. Even when we are faithless, He is still faithful. He gave. So today I want to look at the next portion of that verse. For God so loved the world that he gave, what did he give? His only begotten son. So we found it fitting on this Sunday before Christmas that we began to to talk about his only begotten son. He gave us the best gift that he could give. The best gift of all. And today I want us to look at and talk about the significance of what it means to be the only begotten Son. I want to look at who Jesus is, not just what he did. It's easy for us to look into the scripture and say, well, Jesus came and he died, he lived a perfect life, then he was crucified. He was born, he lived a perfect life, and he was crucified. And that's what he did. But who is he? Who is he? I want us to be able to to practically apply to our lives and to our relationship with Jesus. Because, see, if you miss or if you minimize who he is or what he did for you, what happens is, is you will miss and minimize your relationship with him. What we should want out of any relationship is the fullness of that relationship. And when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, we want to, we should want to maximize our relationship with him. When we look at John three sixteen, the Greek word there for begotten, it means one of a kind or unique. So, so that's the translation of begotten. Now, a lot of times people will make the wrong conclusions. When they look at the word begotten, because of its relation to the word begat, which means to come out of, people look at that word and they think that that was the beginning of Jesus. But the reality is Jesus always is. He always was. And he always will be. Begotten is like DNA. Everybody knows that, that no one has the same DNA. And when we look at that word, we have to understand that there is no one like Jesus. There will never be anyone like Jesus. The NIV, when it, it, for John chapter 3.16, it says it this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God gave us his very best. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves me. His one and only, unique. You see, Jesus Christ, he's fully God and he's fully man. He's the glory of God, and when he came to earth, he put on flesh. And so this morning, I want to look at three things. Three things that help us understand who he is. I want to talk about his humanity, his divinity, and his supremacy. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, Paul writes this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. The verse says, when the fullness of time had come. There are times in our life that we think that God is robbing us of something. Uh, We think that, that he's holding something back for us or we think that his timing isn't right. But in actuality, he's holding it from us because we aren't ready for it. Here it says, "When the fullness of time had come." Do you know who determines the fullness of time? God. God. And when we look at the scripture, it, it talks about his humanity. It says he was born of a woman. He was born under the law. He was born with a virgin birth. We believe in the virgin birth. We believe that the Holy Spirit touched Mary's womb and and that Jesus was born. It was the first and the only virgin birth that has ever taken or will ever take place. He was born of the seed of a woman. Now, that's important. It's important because the scriptures talks about how the sins of the father are passed down from generation to generation. But when it comes to Jesus, the Bible is very specific. He was born sinless. He remained sinless. And it's because of those things that he could go to the cross for our sacrifice. And when we minimize the virgin birth, when we start to think, well, maybe it was just Joseph and Mary, and they had a kid, and it would make him like any other man. But he wasn't. He was born of the Holy Spirit. He was born under the law, but he fulfilled the law. That speaks speaks of his divinity he was god he was in the beginning he was with god he always was and he always is and then we want to talk about his supremacy his purpose was to redeem us and he did it speaks to his supremacy and that that because he redeemed us so those three things, how can we apply them to our lives? How can we take those things and look at who he is and allow it to enhance our relationship with him? The first thing I want to look at is humanity. Genesis 1, God said this. He said, let us make man in our own image. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is when God the Son was first mentioned. But the first reference to Jesus and his sacrifice for us is not found in the New Testament. It's actually found in the very first book of the Bible. It's actually found in the third chapter of the first book of the Bible. When in verse 15 of Genesis chapter 3, God said this, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now they didn't realize it at the time, but, but he was foretelling things that would take place. He was allowing us to know and them to know how that he was going to redeem the world. You see, after Adam and Eve fell, God began to communicate the consequences for their actions. God didn't want to do this. He didn't want it to be this way. But because of the sin, it had to be. He had to. And so he told the serpent, the devil, he said, this is what's going to happen. Now there's significance there to God saying her seed. Because he was referring to Jesus he was foretelling that Jesus was going to come and he was going to defeat the devil. In the Gospels, we we it talks about the virgin birth. And so we know that the angel came to Mary and she said, You he said, You're going to be with child. At the time Mary was just a teenager. She was already engaged to Joseph. He told her that she was going to be with child. And she said, I I haven't even been with a man. And he said, you're right. You've kept yourself pure. And God has chosen you. God has chosen you to carry the one and to bring the one into this world who will redeem it. Now, can you imagine being Mary's parents and her trying to explain this to them? Listen, mom and dad, an angel came. Could you imagine her trying to tell Joseph or her friends, it had been hard to sell. But later it tells us that an angel came to Joseph and he said, it's true, she's not lying. This is what's going to happen. You're going to help bring into the world Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And so as we go through life and we look at his humanity, we cannot minimize the virgin birth. Because the world, what they want to do is they want us to believe that he was just a man. As you know, I'm a sixth grade teacher now. And as we were studying the Rome and, and all of the, the history of the world, it came to the section where it began to tell us about Paul and about Jesus But when I read that curriculum, it made it out to be that he was just a teacher. He was just another man. That he was no greater than Paul or anyone else who had ever lived. He was just a prophet. And as I was reading that, I looked at my daughter and I said, you know he was more than this, right? And she said, yes. I said, well, Kids Church did their job. And and we have too. But that's what the world wants to do. That is the enemy at work. He he tries to, to suppress the true story of the word of God, to take away the virgin birth, to take away and make him just like a mere man. But what happens when that begins to happen in society? When we take away the virgin birth, then we take away the sinlessness of Jesus. And when we take away his sinlessness, then we take away his qualifications for becoming the sacrificial lamb on the cross. Because it had to be a lamb without spot or blemish. You see, there is a method to the madness of the enemy. There is a method to what he's trying to accomplish in this world. He is cunning. He is evil. He is good at what he does and he wants to suppress the truth of the word of God. The Bible tells us that we cannot be ignorant of what he does. We have to be aware and we have to acknowledge what he's up to. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, verse seven and eight. He declares the truth. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Verse 8 says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. It said he took on flesh. He was humanity. When he was beaten, it hurt. When his hands were pierced, it caused pain. Jesus had to grow up. He had to mature. He had emotions. He cried. He could feel pain. He could become troubled in his spirit. He could look at someone and be amazed by their faith. He can feel what we feel. But when you minimize his humanity, when you only see him. As a king, you begin to lose the ability to understand that he feels what you feel. You, under, you begin to, to lose the sense of knowing that he can relate to you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16 says, "'For we do not have a high priest "'who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, "'but was in all points tempted as we are, "'yet without sin.'" Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You may be sitting here this morning. You may have walked through those doors or you may be sitting at home and you may think that you're all alone. You may think that the pain that you feel that you're going through, that no one can relate to it. But can I tell you that there's a God who can feel it he knows what you're going through. And not only does he know what you're going through, not only can he understand what you're going through, more importantly, he cares. He cares what you're struggling with. He cares what you're facing and what you're up against. He cares. Secondly, I want to talk about his divinity. His divinity The Bible tells us in John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now we have to understand, you've heard the verse, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now when we look at that verse, it's easy to understand today. Today means right now. He's the same today. It's easy to understand forever. He will always be the same. He will never change. But when we look at yesterday, when we say he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, when we begin to look at that, A lot of people look at yesterday and they understand that as being the day that he was born. But the Bible tells us that he was there at the beginning. In the beginning was the word. And then what happened? John 1 verse 14 tells us this. And the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. You see, the glory of Jesus always was. Before the earth was even created, before it was formed, he was. But he put on flesh when he was born. But he was always with the father. Jesus didn't show just show up on the, the scene when he was born. That's not when Jesus just showed up. Because see, the Pharisees, they saw him as just a man. They didn't see him as God. I mean, we read in the New Testament how that they would become frustrated and they would get upset when he looked at someone and said, Your sins are forgiven. That made him mad. We see that they rip their clothes sometimes to to show their frustration. And they would look at him and say, you can't do that. You can't forgive someone's sins. Only God can do that. And Jesus looked at them and he said, what's harder for me to do? For me to tell this man to get up and walk or to tell him that his sins are forgiven? So Jesus said, I tell you what, just to prove that I am God, I'm going to do both. I'm going to show you who I am. And he had purity because he was sinless. But can I tell you that he also had authority? He had the authority to tell this man to get up and walk. And he has authority in your life. That's why we pray. We pray because we understand that he has the authority to change things. He has the authority to make something happen. He has authority over our life. All authority was given to him. The enemy has none. It all belongs to God. Revelations chapter 22, verse 13 says, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last That entire scripture speaks to him. That scripture is about him. He says, I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. And we have to understand his heart toward us. His heart toward us. Do you know what his heart toward us is? He tells us his heart toward his friends. In John chapter 17, verse 24. When he's talking to the father and he says, father, I want those who you have given me to be with me where I am. And to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. He said, I want my friends. I want those who you've given me. I want those who walk with me. I want them to be seated with me one day. I want everyone who believes to be seated with me. And when we look at that, that he can make that happen, we begin to look at his supremacy. That's what's going to happen to us one day. One day we are going to be transformed from glory to glory. That's what's happening to us. It's, It's a process that's happening in our life. Right now we are flesh. Jesus was glory who put on flesh. Right now we're flesh. But when we get to heaven, we will put on Jesus' glory. That's the greatest gift ever. The greatest gift ever. The fact that he came to redeem us. He came so that we could have life. Ephesians chapter two, verse six and seven. Said he raised us up together and he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse seven, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He wants us to come to heaven with him. That's why he adopted us. That's why he came. He chose me. He chose you. He loved me. He died for me. He loves you. He died for you. And as we go through life, it's important that we know the truth of the gospel. It tells us that he's the truth. He's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. And the Bible tells us that the truth will set us free. It will set us free. You see, as we go through life, the world wants us to stay bound. The enemy wants to keep us locked up. But he says, I want you to be free. I want you to be free. And as we begin to look at what Jesus did for us, we look at his humanity, his divinity, his supremacy. I want you to know that if you don't know the Jesus that I've been talking about, how many people have ever, have anybody ever bought yourself a gift that's fun, isn't it? Anybody buy yourself a Christmas gift? We were away this weekend, and and, uh, we went into the store, and, and I found a pair of shoes that I loved. And the next thing I know, it was just some force. I was trying them on. Now, we always tell our kids when they want stuff, hey, Christmas is right around the corner. Just hold off. But I'm here, and I'm trying these shoes on, and My wife walks over and she said, didn't you just get a pair of shoes last week? I said, yeah, but those were boots. I said, honey, these are new. I need these. I'm going to buy them for Christmas. And then I was generous. I said, I tell you what, you buy these for me. And those that you're trying on, I'll buy them for you. I said, but there's only one key. I ain't waiting until Christmas to open them. I'm wearing them Sunday morning. So when you look at my shoes today, you know that this was a gift. This was a Christmas gift that I opened early. But we love giving ourselves gifts, and we love receiving gifts. But as we begin to, to talk about Jesus... Can I tell you that there is no gift that you can buy for yourself that will compare to the gift you can have from him. There is no gift that anyone could ever buy you that would compare to the gift that you can have right now. You don't have to wait till Friday morning. You don't have to wait till you get together with your family. But right now, right where you sit, it's a gift that's freely given. A gift that will change your life. When people are trying to sell things, and they have these infomercials and you're watching them and they're telling you how that this product will make your life better 99.9% of the time they're a bunch of liars because you get it and after about a, a week you get that new fancy mop that you plug up and put water in and you do all this stuff And a week later, you're thinking, I ain't got time to fool with all that. Just give me a broom, old-fashioned broom. You get that vacuum that you hit a button and it goes around and sweeps the floor. But about the third time that it sucks a cord up and it's talking to you and spinning in circles and about to blow up because it's sucked up your iPhone cord. You have to turn it off and turn it upside down and try to pull the cord out of it. And you think that, stupid machine, I wouldn't run over it. So then you just get the old vacuum out. So these things that we look at and, and, and purchase, these gifts that were given, a lot of times they end up under the bed. They end up not living up to what they say they are or what they'll do. But as I stand here today, and if you talk to anyone who has asked Christ into their life, I can promise you that he will not disappoint. You will not have buyer's remorse. The greatest gift ever. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes right where you're sitting. And I want you just this morning just to begin to to think about and meditate on the fact that God loved you so much that he sent his one and his only son like no other. He sent Jesus into this world. To be born into this world, to become flesh so that we can have life. And you sit there this morning and you think about those things. If you've received Christ into your life, I can't think about those things without becoming emotional because I know I didn't deserve it. And I know the change that he's made in my life. And if you're sitting there this morning and you've never asked Christ to come into your life, you've never accepted this gift that I'm talking about this morning. As you begin to think about and try to comprehend what he's done for you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will speak into your life this morning and draw you to a relationship with him. If you're here this morning and you've never asked him to forgive you of your sin. I'm not talking about having to to list out for God everything that you've ever done and ask for forgiveness because none of us would have time to do that. He says, if you just acknowledge that you are a sinner, that you make mistakes, and that you are in need of a savior, he said, just acknowledge that confess that it says if you confess it he'll forgive you he'll cleanse you he'll make you a new creation and when you get around the the tree on Friday morning you'll have even a deeper appreciation of what it truly means God's calling you. Just in a moment, Justin's going to to sing a song. And it says, bring it all to the table. All your hurts, we all have hurts. All our pains, all our sicknesses, all our sorrows, he said, bring them to me. Quit trying to... Work it out on your own. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. With your eyes closed as Justin begins to sing this song right after I pray if you're here this morning you've never accepted Christ he's calling you he's saying come to the table You know what you do around the table? You fellowship. Christ wants to enter into a fellowship with you. If you're here this morning and you need that in your life, this altar's open as he sings. If you're here this morning and you just say, Pastor, I need prayer. I'm a follower of Christ, but I need prayer. Something in my life. I need something to change. We have a prayer team that's ready to pray with you. We want to believe with you because I'm believing that the best is yet to come. Father, I come before you this morning. God, I'm thankful for every person that's in this auditorium today. God, I thank you for everyone that's watching online. God, I know that that you have a reason and a purpose and that your timing is perfect. God, no one is listening by accident. God, you designed today just for them. Father, I pray that we'll be able to, to lay down all of our pride. God, all of our fear, all of our doubt, God, that will hand it over to you. God, if there's anyone here, Father, that needs you to be their Savior. God, I pray that today is the day that they ask you into their life. God, that they can celebrate with a great appreciation of what you've done. God, for those who are here that are hurting and need prayer, Holy Spirit, move them to take that step. In Jesus' name. As Justin sings, if you need prayer, bring prayer, it up pray to prayer. the
1: table. It's nothing he ain't seen before. For all your sin and all your sorrow and your sadness
3: loves you. He cares for you. No matter where you are, at any moment, all you have to do is call out to him. It'll be the best Christmas ever. As you came in, hopefully you received a communion cup And um, if, did anyone not receive one? If you didn't, we've got them. You can raise your hand. You we'll know, walk around and let you grab one. You know, it's the origin of the Lord's Supper. It goes back to the night before Jesus would go to the cross. When Jesus and his disciples, they were having a meal together. They were celebrating Passover, a common celebration. This is something that the church has done for Sometimes it's uh, become a sacrament. And the Bible doesn't tell us how often to do it. But what it does tell us is, is that as often as we do it, the goal is, is to remember what it means. To remember what it represents. And in your hand, you, you hold a piece of bread. That bread represents something. It represents his body, Uh, the body that that was spat upon, that it was beaten, it was whipped, it was broken for you. The juice that you hold, it represents something as well. It represents the blood that was spilled while his body was being beaten. While it was being whipped. The blood that was spilled when the crown of thorns were pressed down into his head. The blood that was spilled when the sword was thrust into his side. And what we do today is this this sacrament. It's, It's something that we can do in the natural that reminds us of what took place in the spiritual. So as you take the bread in your hand, this bread, it represents the body of the Lord. And the Bible tells us that Jesus, with his disciples, he took the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it. And he said, this bread represents my body, which was broken for you. Father, we thank you for this piece of bread, that that we have a representation of your body. was broken for us. Father, we take this bread to remember what Jesus went through so that we could have life, so that we could have it to the fullest. Father, so that we could belong juice that you hold in your hand it is a symbol of the blood the blood that was shed for us he says Jesus took the cup he says this represents a new covenant that's in my blood he said drink it to remember the blood that was spilled." For remission of sins. Father, I thank you for the blood of Jesus. Father, the blood that that offends the world. But the blood that I understand and know has the power to wash away my sin. You've got to understand that this is a representation what you did over 2,000 years. that we don't deserve it. God, I thank you for sending your son to be born in a manger to take on flesh. God, help us not only to understand what you did, Close today's service by singing a very familiar hymn. Once again, it's not a traditional Christmas song, but man, does it hold the meaning of Christmas? It talks about His amazing grace. And we sing this morning. Father, we thank you. We wanna thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to put the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords first. I wanna thank um, Rick and Cindy. I sort of threw that on them at the last moment as they walked in. I thought, you know what? It'd be great to hear them sing Amazing Grace something that they've done for us so many times. And uh, yes, let's give them a hand. It's always a joy. Uh, and if, if you're a guest or you, if you, I don't know, there might be some that don't even, you think, who are these two people up here? Uh, and they're probably looking at some of you saying, who are these people out there? Uh, this is uh, uh, Pastor Rick and Cindy Shelby. And um, for those of you who don't know, they uh, helped plant, the, they planted the church. Uh, back in 2006, and uh, God uh, allowed them to be with us until 2016, and uh, they went on to, um, I'm not going to say bigger and better things, they went on to something different. And uh, he's now, uh, they serve as the uh, state uh, youth uh, directors of um, the state of Kentucky, they live in Lexington, but they're in for Christmas, and uh, we're believing that one day that we'll see more of them, Uh, so you help me believe about that. Thank you for being here. Uh, Let me make something very quick announcement that you may have seen uh, in the bulletin. Uh, You also, uh, you'll see it on Facebook. But next Sunday, uh, we've made the decision that we are going to do uh, virtual only. And uh, that will allow us uh, some time to recover from Christmas and uh, allow us just to have a time of worship uh, in the safety of our own home uh, with our family. And uh, so I pray that uh, that you will be with us, join online at 1115. Don't forget, there's boxes in the back that if you uh, uh, will want to, uh, to give, uh, you can do that there. You can also give online, uh, thegate.life, uh, and uh, just click on giving. We love you. Have a great, great Sunday. Merry Christmas. <clears throat>